Welcome, Blackhawk Church. Great to be with you. Those of you who are part of Blackhawk's Chinese ministry, Ping An. Hey, listen, before we get into uh, this message in the I Am series, I want to just push pause for a second and tell you what's coming up in the next uh, two weeks. So on October the 25th and November the 1st, uh, Matt Metzger and I are going to do a short uh, series that we're calling uh, this uh, Politics and uh, faith. So why are we doing that series? Well, like, duh. I mean, you know, like, that's what everybody's talking about uh, today. And at Blackhawk Church, we, like, right, move right towards uh, difficult uh, topics. So uh, don't worry. Uh, this is going to be different from any news feed that you're paying attention to uh, right now. Uh, we are not going to push any particular party or any particular uh, candidate. We are nonpartisan here uh, at Blackhawk uh, Church, and I'll explain why we're nonpartisan uh, next week. So what we're going to do, though, is push a particular perspective, and that is the perspective of Jesus, his perspective on politics. And as followers of Jesus, as followers of Christ, we should really start with that perspective first. So that's uh, next week. It starts two weeks, politics and faith. There you go. I'm sharing that series with uh, Matt because this is the kind of thing senior pastors should do uh, when things are controversial. And you know, Matt's going to be the next senior pastor in 257 days if anybody's counting. So uh, there you go. So um, today, though, uh, we're going to continue in the I Am series. And I'm going to start uh, today's talk off with talking about one of my very favorite things to do. And uh, take a look at this picture right here. This is my wife and I. And uh, there's the Capitol behind us. And you see we get these bike helmets on. Because about a year ago, my wife and I got into e-bike world. And I'm telling you what, I could talk all day long about it. This has been the best thing. There's my e-bike uh, right there. Isn't that a, just, that's a killer picture right there, isn't it? So like, man, do we love e-bikes. They are the best thing. If you ever want to talk to me about e-bikes, go ahead and send me an email, man. We love them. I mean, this one of the best things that has happened to our uh, marriage. I mean, for $25, you can get a state pass and you can go pretty much like on all these state trails and these rail to trail are all over southern Wisconsin and they are this summer you guys my wife and I together on our e-bikes rode together <laughs> about 400 miles on these rail to trails and I'm telling you it's about one of the best things that we've done for our marriage not that our marriage that sounds bad doesn't it like our marriage is in trouble okay forget that no it's just great fantastic time with each other one of the things I like the most about uh my e-bike is that uh, I have this helmet uh, by the good folks at Senna, and they are not paying me to do this little plug uh, for them, but this helmet has Bluetooth, so I can actually pair it with like uh, my phone. I can pair it with my phone, and then uh, I can put it on, and the thing, the, the thing about pairing it with my phone is that my phone has Google Maps, and I, that gives me anywhere I want to go. I don't know if you, but I trust Google Maps. So, like, uh, no matter where I'm at, I can, you know, if it's paired, I can just say, hey, I want, take me home, and, you know, it will automatically uh, take me home. So, let me, let me pair it right now. Here we go. Hello. Connected. And then I just gotta say, take me home. And she'll go, head east toward Browder Way. Is that cool? <laughs> then I get home, turn it off. Goodbye. <laughs> Is that 
killer or what? So I don't know. Uh, if you know much about me, you know that I'm a type A person and I don't like to be late. I don't like to be lost and I hate surprises. And uh, having Google Maps with me all the time, it's like I always know uh, the way because Google Maps, well, I trust Google Maps and it will get me uh, there. Today we're going to look at a passage where Jesus is with his uh, best friends, his, his 12 disciples. They're in a, a small Palestinian house in an upper room, and it's on the night in which he is going to be betrayed. Just a few hours uh, after the talk he's going to give, uh, he will be on a cross at nine in the morning, and he he knows this. There's anxiety in the room. There's tension in the room. His men are troubled. They know their lives are in danger. And Jesus is going to comfort them with some of the most famous words in all the Bible. That's what we're going to look at today. Take your Bibles. Turn to John chapter 13. John 13. As we continue in this, uh, the I Am series, this is the sixth in a series of eight messages uh, as we're going through these different I Am statements. As you turn to John 13, if you have a paper Bible, I would encourage you just to look at the Bible right now. And uh, many of us have Bibles where the editors have put the words of Jesus in red uh, letters. So just scan right now and kind of look at that. So you'll see in John 13, 31, those red letters start and then all the way through chapter 13 and then all of 14, all of 15, all of 16, all of 17. Those are all red letters because what we're entering into is one of the uh, great passages in the Bible. It's a very unique passage. Uh, scholars refer to this as the upper room uh, discourse. So many things Jesus is going to say in the upper room discourse that are just filled with so many encouraging things. And uh, this passage is fantastic. I'm kind of like when I approach the upper room discourse, it's like, it's like sacred hollow ground. There's nothing else in the New Testament uh, like it. Before he starts to give this uh, discourse, he has uh, traveled to this uh, upper room and there he has gotten down on his hands and knees and washed uh, the feet of his disciples before they sit down for the meal. So he's washing all of their feet. He washes Judas's feet. And, and he knows that Judas is about ready to betray him. And then they have the meal, and you'll notice in John chapter 13, there's not a lot said about the Passover meal. Matthew, Mark, and Luke talk a lot about it, but... In John, it's not talked about at all. John puts his focus on what he said afterwards, and the other gospel writers don't do that. So they have uh, the meal. He has an exchange with Judas. Judas gets up and leaves. And then after Judas leaves the room, then Jesus starts this great discourse. And he's, he's like a father trying to comfort his children because he knows that they're tense 
and nervous and concerned about what's going to happen. We read this. My children, I will be with you only a little longer. You will look for me. And just as I told the Jews, so I tell you now, where I am going, you cannot come. A new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you. So you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. So this is what Jesus wants to, he's gathered his pen together. He knows he's about ready to hang on a cross in just a few hours. And his last talk to them, he wants to talk to them about this, this great message of love and how they need to love one another and how he's going to send a comforter to help them do that. That's what he wants to talk about. But Peter <laughs> interrupts. And Peter says, Simon Peter asked, Lord, where are you going? <laughs> Jesus replied, where I am going, you cannot follow now, but you will follow uh, later. So you can see the tenseness of Peter. Like, Peter's like, no, 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 we don't talk about love. Like, where are you going? You said you're going someplace. Like, where are you going? <laughs> so he interrupts him. Jesus uh, goes on. Peter asked, Lord, why can't I follow you now? I will lay down my life for you. Then Jesus answered, will you really lay down your life for me? Very truly, I tell you, before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. Now, the text doesn't say this, but I bet you the room was filled with tension. I mean, it was already filled with tension because these guys are nervous about just being in Jerusalem. They know that their lives are in danger. They know that Jesus' life is in danger. And then Jesus all of a sudden says that the ringleader, before the day begins, and just a few hours, is going to deny that he even knows Jesus three times, and the room is like, whoa, whoa. And Jesus reads the room and sees that his men are filled with anxiety and trouble. So he says this, do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I am going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me that you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I am going. Now, let me just ask you a question. Stop, stop. If you were in that room and Jesus said these words to you, what feeling would come over you? I mean, you're really tense and you're really anxious about what he just said about what's going to happen to Peter. Peter's going to deny him. And then all of a sudden, he says this, and the feeling that would probably come over you would be one of like, oh my gosh. I'm just like, I feel, whoa, whoa. If you feel comfort, 
That's exactly what he wants them to feel. Notice the very first verse of John chapter 14. Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. What Jesus is doing in the beginning of John chapter 14 is he's trying to, he's he's comforting these guys. He's He's trying to comfort them. He's basically saying, you guys, it's going to be all right. My dad's got a really big house. <laughs> He's got a really big house, and there's rooms there in that house. And I'm going to prepare a place for you, and I'm going to come back and take you to I know that place exists. It's like my home. It's going to be your home, and I'm going to prepare that for you. It's like he's trying to describe something that's like almost indescribable. And I bet you the room, he just, these guys are filled with anxiety. And they're just like, oh my gosh, he's got a big house. Like, where's that house at? Like, where's that house? You know, I wonder where that house is. We haven't seen that house yet, have we? Where's that house at? Got big rooms? I'd like to see those rooms. I have my own room. I mean, you know, like that. And all of a sudden, these guys are like starting to be comforted by the fact that Jesus is going to go home and he's going to take them to that home. The key um, to the whole thing is, uh, is verse uh, four. See what he says in verse four? He says, you know the way to the place where I'm going. This is, pu- this is puzzling. This is puzzling to them. I know this is puzzling because of what Thomas says in the next verse. Thomas says, Lord, we, we don't know where you are going, so how can we know the way. So they're thinking in terms of like a GPS coordinates, like is it on that side of the Jordan? Is it on this side? Is it near the Mediterranean? Like we don't know exactly, where is your dad's house? We don't know, we don't know where you're going. How, how do we know the way? And then Jesus says this, John fourteen six. Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really know me, you will know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. All right, let's stop right there. This is like one of the great passages in the New Testament. And I mean, it is filled with so many things. And like, if we had time, I would just like keep going because what he's going to say basically is about his relationship uh, with the Father. He's essentially saying, as we've been saying in this whole I Am series, I am Yahweh, I am Yahweh. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. He's saying, I am the way, I am the way, I am the truth. I am the life. He's saying, I am God. That is basically what he's saying. And if we had time, we would go on the rest of John chapter 14. It's a great passage. But for our purposes in this series, I'm just gonna stay with this one phrase. Let's look at the phrase again. I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. What is Jesus doing here? What's he saying? Whatever you say about the truth and the life, it's, he's answering the question that Thomas asked him, like, we don't know the way, where's the way? So, I am the way, 
to where the Father is. I am the life of God. I am the truth of God. I am the way. He's basically saying, I am Yahweh. He's not saying, I can show you the way. Hey, let me teach you about the way. He's saying, no, I am the way. He's saying, I am God. The way to God is through God. There's no way to God except through God. Google Maps won't get you there. I'm God. And here, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. It's like saying I am Yahweh. You guys, the the weight, uh, the majesty of this statement, we cannot underscore. I love what uh, Gary Burge uh, says in his commentary. Jesus is not simply a religious teacher or guide, nor is he simply the means to some other destination. He is also the end, the goal. He is the one in whom God can be found. The exhaustive and exclusive nature of this astonishing claim cannot be missed. And the early followers of Jesus did not miss the exclusive and exhaustive nature of this. In fact, the followers of Jesus in the very first days, they actually referred to themselves as like that we are the way. That's the way they call themselves. You see uh, this in all these different uh, passages in Acts 9, 19. This is the way the early followers refer to themselves. We are the way because they're following Christ. There's no other way to God. Only God can get you to God. And Jesus is God. And they were proud of that. Today, though, when we hear uh, this statement, it's, it's like more, we're like, whoa, whoa, just a second, Jesus. Like, whoa, <laughs> that's like an exclusive claim there. That's like, whoa, that's kind of like, could you kind of tone it down a little bit? Because we live in a world today uh, that is uh, very pluralistic. So uh, a dominating idea today in the West, in the United States, in Europe, and other places, is that um, really we should take the best of different worldviews and like put them together. And then as long as you're a good person, then you know, as long as you're not like Hitler or like a child molester or something like that, then you're going to be fine. You're going to make your way to God if you go this, if you follow Buddhism or Hinduism or Judaism or a little bit of all of those things and we'll find our way to God. That's kind of very popular. The problem with that view in the West is that it's a, it's a, it's a sneaky way of being arrogant because it acts like it's not an exclusive claim, but really it is. This was uh, kind of pointed out to me in a very uh, kind of interesting way. Uh, when I went on campus uh, several years ago and uh, presented uh, to an audience on campus about the truth claims of Christianity, I was invited to uh, go speak on campus and different people, leaders of different religions were invited. So I was on a panel with the Abrahamic uh, faiths so that there was someone who was a rabbi and then there was myself, a Christian pastor, and then there was someone from uh, Islam, an imam. 
I told this story before, but I can't think of a better story, so I'm going to tell it again. So uh, the way it was is we sat down at a panel, and the audience was in front of us, and uh, they had us present in the order in which uh, the faiths occur chronologically. So the first person was the Jewish rabbi, and uh, she uh, made a presentation about Judaism, and it was an amazing presentation, and I just thought, oh, this is awesome. And then, when she was finished, they asked me to make a presentation about Christianity, so I did. And I don't think I did uh, the best job in the world. I think it's put everybody to sleep. But uh, when I was finished with my presentation, everybody had a nice, polite clap like that. And, and then the imam um, got up to speak. Here's a, a picture of the imam. Imam Juharai Abdul Malak. This is a great, this is a great guy. Uh, he was uh, centered in Washington, D.C. Uh, when this happened a few years ago. So uh, Imam Malak, uh, he gets up and takes the microphone and... <laughs> It starts walking around. I look at the rabbi. She looks at me, and we didn't know we could get up from the table. I mean, we were just sitting down. So, like, this is like, oh, boy. And he starts to speak, and I'm like, guys, this guy is, like, awesome. Like, he is great. Like, I look at her, and she looks at me, and like, whoa, wow. <laughs> this is the, Islam's winning right here. This is, so, like, he starts to speak, and he is just really, really dynamic. And the, the whole audience is with him. Everybody's shaking their heads. And then he just comes this part of his talk and the imam looks out at the audience and he goes is anybody from the media here like <laughs> and one one person from the wisconsin state journal like raised their hand like this he goes okay good listen don't write in tomorrow's paper that we all believe that there are different ways to the same god don't write that that's offensive that's arrogant <laughs> it's like what i can't believe he said that. and when he said that Everybody in the room started to applaud. I thought, whoa, he struck a nerve here. Basically, he was saying, when you say that we're just all different ways to the same God, that's a Western view, and that's arrogant. You're saying that these major world faiths don't have it. No, 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 no. You're being arrogant in that claim. And that's exactly true. But when... You say, no, 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 we all believe in all these different faiths. We don't see that that's also an exclusive claim. Let me see if I can make this clear. Let's look at these. Let's say this is view A and view B. View A could be anything, Christianity or Hinduism or whatever. It's a view. And then B is different from A. So everybody look at that right there. A and B are not the same. And then someone comes along, and then, let's look at the next slide. And they say, no, no, uh, we should put A and B together. Everybody look at that? So you notice the triangle is not like the square or the circle. But people go, no, A and B are actually together. No, no, actually, that view excludes B. That view excludes A. All three of these views are making a statement and they're making exclusive statements. The people in B say, no, 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 I don't agree with A. I don't, I'm B. No, no, you're both. No, no, I don't have that view. It seems like it's more inclusive, but it's also exclusive. And there's nothing wrong with that. If you're making a truth claim, you're making an exclusive claim. 
But exclusive claims don't get a good rep, uh, rep uh, today. It's like automatically, if you're making an exclusive claim, it's wrong, it's narrow, it's not a good thing. It's not true at all. Two and two is four. It's not three, it's not five. There's nothing wrong with saying that. It's an exclusive claim. If you're making a truth claim, you're making an exclusive claim. There's nothing wrong with exclusive claims. It's the way truth works. My car, your car too, probably, <laughs> uh, I got a little exclusive sign. Uh, when, when I open up my gas cap, uh, there's a little sign that says, unleaded fuel, and here's the exclusive word, only. Yeah, try putting water in my <laughs> gas tank, or Gatorade, or Coke. Yeah, that doesn't work very well. No, it just takes unleaded fuel only. When Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life, he's making an exclusive claim. If you want to have a relationship with God, you must come through me. Only God can get you to God. Now I know this is a lot and people are going, whoa, I'd like to talk about that. I'd like to discuss that. I'd like to learn more. I'd like to ask some questions. Hey, this week I'm going to do a, a podcast. I'm going to address uh, some hot questions that go with this. You might want to listen to that podcast. Uh, also, uh, we're offering a, a group, and uh, you can explore the f- faith, and you can uh, go to our website and learn more about that. We want you to be able to ask questions and explore these truth claims that Jesus is making. Invite you to do that. Go to our website and find out more about that. Also, let me uh, kind of push a couple of books that are both by Tim Keller. One is The Reason for God, and the other one is Making Sense of God. And these are written uh, with skeptical questions in mind. And uh, Reason for God completely deals with this whole issue of this exclusive claim that Jesus is making about I am the way, the truth, and the life. Here's what I want you to hear. Your questions are great questions. Do not stop asking those questions. It was a journey for me. It didn't make sense to me at all. I pushed back and pushed back and pushed back. But there was a loving uh, person who came into my life and he was not afraid of my questions and we went through these questions together. Any question that you're asking is probably not the first time someone's asked that question. So keep asking those questions and uh, get with someone and walk through this. These are difficult issues. But for many of us, what keeps us from God is not necessarily um, intellectual issues, but it's, we we just resist him. We don't want anything to do with them. It's like we put up a, a plexiglass shield and we don't want God to breathe on us. We want to be, we want to, no, 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 no. So we may have started out in church and then moved away and then we're not interested no more. But God is, he wants to breathe on us and he wants to, he wants to be close to us. He wants to pull us toward himself. That's the experience that a woman in our church named Beth had. Pre-COVID, we had baptisms from time to time, and uh, we uh, taped testimonies of the people who were getting baptized. And 
on the day in which Beth was baptized, we taped her testimony. Watch this. My name is Beth, and this is my story. After endless times of believing in society and others' beliefs, and dealing with some tragedies and some relationships ending abruptly is when I made my journey back into faith. I entered back through the church not knowing what would be ahead of me, but knowing that in those tragic times God was pulling me closer to Him and it was time for me to start pulling near to Him as well. And so one distinct memory that I recall in this journey was his forgiveness of sins. And so going to church with friends that had invited me and me not knowing what was really ahead or why I needed to attend, but I just agreed and graciously went. The messages were about forgiveness. And at that time, that's what I needed to hear because as I thought my sins were, were terrible and were as bad as they could get, it didn't matter to him. And it didn't matter how long I had been gone or how far I had pulled away, that he was always right there with me. And so those messages about forgiveness of sins was my time to forgive myself and to know that he was my savior and that he had forgiven me long before and he died on the cross for my sins and that's that's ultimately where one of the first times that I distinctly remember knowing that that he was my savior and that I committed myself to that. I've learned as my journey has progressed of coming to the Lord and moving away from the Lord and, and now coming back to the Lord, that that's not what I want to do and that's not what I, I feel is in me and that's not my purpose. So today is my commitment from here and every day and every moment that I will be right by his side and he will be by my side before me, next to me, behind me. Um, and I'll be chasing him and chasing me and knowing that my daily life will be with, with Jesus Christ, with my Savior. To some family and friends who have walked this journey with me and knowing that what the past is the past, but I'm back here and I'm with the Lord every day and that he has saved me from what I think could have been the worst or the, the most tragic, he's brought me to those, those glorious times. And today we sit and share that. So my journey is, is tragic for some in the beginning, but has lent, led to this glorious opportunity that I now can live my life in, in his name and along his path. So I have a community and a support of friends that uh, brothers and sisters in Christ, as I would call them, that can support me and pray with me and keep me in his word as well. So today I, I thank, thank the Lord for what he's done for me and that his you know, forgiveness is everlasting and that his love is everlasting and that today here's my commitment to him as I walk along this journey. Hey, all God's people said, amen. Thank you, Beth, for letting us hear your story. You know, when Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life, he was not trying to share the gospel with a bunch of uh, strangers. He was not trying to uh, philosophically get into discussion about other worldviews and other religions. He was trying to comfort his friends. He was, he was saying to them, that even though I know your life is gonna be difficult and he knew exactly what was gonna take place, by nine the next morning he was hanging on a cross. He knew that was gonna 
take place. He knew those guys were gonna scatter. He knew that they were all gonna die horrible deaths. He knew the struggles and the difficulties that these men were gonna face in their life because of the fact that they knew and followed him. He knew all of that. And he was just saying, my dad's gotta really be hell, you guys. And you got rooms in that house. And you know the way. You guys, COVID is awful. And many of us are going through things in our world right now that are just so not good. And we feel the tension in this world. We feel a longing and a desire for this to just stop and for everything to be okay. We're longing for home. We're longing for home. And Jesus is saying, yeah, you know me, you got reservations. And it's a really nice home. How do we get there? Jesus is the way. Only God can get you to God. Google Maps won't get you there. Let's pray. Father, I pray for all of us right now who are going through struggles and difficulties and who just... Every day is hard. And I, I pray, Father, for those of us who are, are just feeling anxious. I mean, it, 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 it's, we're anxious for all kinds of different reasons. But it, it's not a relax, we're not relaxing. We don't feel comfort. We long for that. We, we yearn for that. We yearn for this to be over. We, we long for just enjoyment and resting and relaxing. We're longing for home. We pray, Father, that for those people who have never placed their faith in Christ, that they would do that uh, right now. Just, I believe that Christ died on the cross for my sins. Many, many of us have already placed our faith in Christ, but yet we let the anxieties of the world dominate us. And Jesus is saying, don't, don't be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My dad has a big house and I'm going to prepare a place for you. And where I am, you're gonna be there with me. Thank you, Father, for that home. Thank you, Father, for the way pray this in Christ's name for the sake of his reputation all God's people said